this. This is the, uh, the, the last one in our series on uh, the I am statements of Jesus. And um, I was going to sort of stand up and just kind of launch in, but I feel I should say something about the week I've been having. Because <laughs> um, this is um, you know, a passage about being entirely in Jesus, and we'll read it in a second. But just felt everything has conspired this week to enable me not to live this out. And so I just sort of say, this is for me as much as it is for you. Um, there's just been uh, things after another. Some have been quite trivial, like I was moving some bits of wood and I bashed my left thumb and bruised it. I didn't really think about it until I picked up the bass guitar and discovered I can't actually grip properly. And uh, I thought that's just irritating, but that's just minor. Um, we had some stuff delivered today, uh, this week, some uh, materials for boarding out the attic. And um, we couldn't get the company to tell us when they were coming. And the guy arrived with a big lorry when I was at work. And so Hazel unloaded all this stuff with this guy, got it into the garage. Just as I managed to get between the two places I was, and I arrived just as they'd finished, much to their amusement. And, uh, and then we'd moved all sorts of stuff out of the garage. We had an electric garage door, dropped it down, and hadn't noticed that there was a bit sticking out. And it's kind of prized the door out of its runners. and it, broke all the things at the top so it wouldn't actually work anymore. So we've got a door which wouldn't close on a garage with all this stuff in. And uh, well, it turns out you can actually buy the replacement bits on Amazon, but we didn't know that at the time. But it, so we have a door to mend now. Um, but actually in the middle of all that, we also had arranged some friends of ours going through a, a difficult time, arranged a, a few people who knew them to get together to pray this week. And just that happened on that day. And so Hazel was all over the place with that. We had people arriving at her house to pray. Um, and I'd done what was a simple job at a school where I do IT stuff in schools, where I was fixing something, should have taken 30 minutes, managed to mess up their whole server, and actually spent the rest of the evening trying to sort that out. So I got home late, having got to the point where I could do the rest remotely, and then spent the evening doing that and didn't do any praying at all um, for our friends, which I, you know, <laughs> was our idea, really. Um, but there's a lot of other things of sort of, you know, one thing after another, and I could list them all. But I just want to say that, although I'm not going to stand here and say, you know, I'm a disastrous Christian or anything, the um, things just uh, kind of can, can snowball on top of us. And even simple things like hurting your thumb can actually be an irritation. But we, we don't really turn to Jesus in those circumstances, or at least I don't. I, I found it, it's almost, you know, several days later and think, oh my goodness, I'm about to preach about Jesus being the vine here and living in him and all the rest of it. And, and actually, I haven't done it myself. And so, just this is to bear in mind then, this is, this is not do as I do, this is just do as I say this morning, okay? And I will listen as well. But we're just going to look at this passage now. But I just thought I'd confess that, yes, I've, I've not really lived up to what I know to be true. And I think it's common with most of us. We don't live out what we know to be true. So, let's see if we can get some help from Jesus on this. So, here we go then. Um, um, oh, and I also forgot to pass this to Nonny, who would have translated it into Ukrainian for me. So, Toby's done that this morning. I hope this is right. I hope we can trust Google Translate. <laughs> Otherwise, it could be telling you complete nonsense. But, you know, because apparently Alexa tells you to sing about the name of Jesus when you ask for Indiana Jones. So, who knows <laughs> what Google Translate will do. Anyway. So here we are, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. It is the passage. Jesus speaking to his disciples and says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Okay. Um, this is Jesus continuing speaking to his disciples. I have a red letter version of the Bible and it's all in red for ages around this section. Um, so Jesus has... Uh, he's washed their feet, he's predicted, predicted his betrayal, he's promised the Holy Spirit, and then he comes to this passage, um, and this is, the, say, the last of the, the I am statements um, that Jesus makes about himself. And we've already heard that Jesus is claiming to be God every time he uses this phrase, I am. So he's already said, just going to recap here, and for Martin and Lisa, and uh, these are the ones you need to cover. I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth and the life, and now I am the true vine. And it seems a bit odd, this one, to me. Vine, vi vines, yes, vines, uh, are not part of our normal day-to-day -day thing, not too many, although I think the Genionis might have a vine that they grow grapes on, but they used to anyway in Talenta. It died. There you go. It's not the right part of the country or the part of the world to have vines, really. Although somewhere in Kent, I think they do actually make wine now uh, in quite large quantities. But it seems slightly odd to us, but actually this was commonplace when Jesus, the people Jesus is speaking to, the Jews knew all about vines um, and, uh, and growing grapes. And, um, and apparently, I'm not a gardener. In fact, I can kill any plant just by looking at it, but I'm not a gardener. But I understand that the vine there has a sort of root thing and a, and a structure, and then the, the little uh, kind of stem things come out, and the fruit grows at the ends. Okay, so you need to have that sort of structure. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a root, there's a common bit, and then there's vines, branches, as they get referred to in here, and then we've got fruit. Grapes. There we are. Did, did work that out. Grapes. <laughs> but actually, this is it's not just something Jesus made up on the spot. This is something that's in the Old Testament. Psalm 80 talks about, uh, the psalmist is writing and says um, that God has, has taken a cutting out of Egypt and planted it in the promised land. That, that actually this, the, the vine is used to describe Israel, the children of God. Um, and it comes up lots of other times in terms of the kind of thing that the vine might have done and hasn't done. And there are, uh, in Jeremiah, in 
uh, I think in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, and some of the minor prophets, they all refer to the vines, uh, the vine, and, and each case is referring to God's own family, is the vine. So Jesus has actually said, you know all that, and I am the true vine. So, let's go um, through the, the actual bits of the, the verses. So, the true vine, in, in verse 1, and he's saying, I'm, I'm the real thing. This is what it's all been leading up to. All the Old Testament stories, all pointing towards Jesus. And, uh, and here he's saying, this, this is fulfilled in me. I am the true vine. I, I am the living connection to the presence of God. And he says, my father is the gardener. And he's establishing all through this, this passage of his relationship with his father. And uh, having followed on from questions like, show us the father. And he said, no, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The father and I are one. And then verse 2, it says, he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. Now, this, this is a difficult verse. <laughs> we might have to come back to it. In fact, we will come back to it. But it's a challenging concept as to what that might mean for us. But I'm just going to gloss over it for now. Just, you know, we'll, I will come back. And then he says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, um, his father prunes. He prunes so it'll be even more fruitful. And pruning is a necessary process. Again, you need to speak to a proper gardener. But apparently you do have to do this to vines. Um, and otherwise, energy goes into growing bits that they don't need and fails to produce the fruit that they do. So I've read an encyclopedia this week. Sounds good. And then Jesus says this, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And I think we should take this as Jesus making clear, he's not talking about being saved here. He's saying, no, that, that's done, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So he's talking about something else, which say, we will need to get to grips with. And then verse 4 and 5, remain in me sorry, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is it, this is the key message in this, the key part of this passage. And the word remain, I mean, it's the NIV translation is the word remain, but it's again, it's, it's not quite encapsulating it, all that's going on here. Um, and in fact, if you, if you were to speak to someone and say, I'm a remainer, they'd think that you didn't want to leave the European Union, wouldn't they? That, that would be the, the first thing we think of now with that word. Um, I'm, I'm not a Brexit, not a Brexit here, I'm a Remainer. Um, or perhaps it's, um, you know, everybody's gone off to do something nice and I'm going to remain. It, it's, you know, I'm left missing, you know, I'm, I've, I've been left behind. And it's neither of those things. And so the, um, the King James Version uses the word abide. And we don't really use that in a kind of current language too much. But it's a much better word, and I'm not quite sure why we don't have it in our language, but um, it, it talks about being, you know, living, settled, peaceful, you know, um, totally devoted to and, and inside Jesus. We abide in him. So you just have to forgive me, I'm going to use the word abide because it fits better than remain, but just everywhere you heard the word remain, think about it's a whole lot more than this. This is about living in Jesus. Our whole life is in him. And, and it must be that because he's talking about a vine and the, the branch's life comes from the vine. The fruit is actually fed through the, the nourishment that comes up from the roots and through the branches and out to the ends where the fruit grows. 
And then verse 6, Jesus says, If you do not remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So who are these branches, is the question. Is that believers he's talking about? Because that would be quite serious. Um, so, and I think part of the problem is, is about the word remain. So if I translate that, let's go for, for live, all right, for the moment, for this. And it says, if you do not live in me, you're a detached branch. If you don't live in me, if you're not in Jesus, we, we are going to struggle because the actual source of life comes from him. And I, I would say that that points to unbelievers. It's people who have never known Jesus, never committed their life into Jesus' hands, never had that relationship with him. And there, there is no life in them because they're detached from Jesus. They're detached from the vine. I mean, they, they may look like the other branches, but ultimately they will just die because they've not got the source of life coming to them. Okay, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, simple really, isn't it? The, the result of being in Jesus is that we are fruitful. Um, I guess we ought to just explore whether being fruitful is a good thing. I, I, we we kind of use the, the phrase, and, and it's sort of implied. But... I think if we sort of think about what life is about, it, most people, any people, would say, well, I want, to, I want to leave a legacy. I want to, something to be remembered by. I want to have made a mark. I want to have achieved something. And we do that through lots of different ways. But actually, there's, there's that thing in us that actually life is for achievement. Now, some will say, well, actually, my achievement will be through money, sex, or power, because they're the popular things to go for. Pretty sure Jesus isn't actually promoting those three in this case. But the fruit that Jesus brings is quite different. We're going to come to that as well. But he does want us to be fruitful, and being fruitful is good. So, where have I got to? Um, verses 9 and 10. Um, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And Jesus just reiterates this command to, to love him. Um, it is sort of consistent with the other Gospels which record when Jesus was asked what the most important commandments are. He says, love Lord your God with your heart and mind and soul and strength and your neighbour as yourself. And both of those get reinforced by this passage here. I've, I have frequently beaten myself up with this and say, well, I'm, I'm clearly being disobedient to Jesus and therefore I don't love him. Um, and, you know, it's all falling apart, as it were. But actually, the command here is to, to live in him, to abide in him. And, and the result of that living in him, remaining in him, is that our behavior is modified. Um, and it, it, it is, we must be careful. Uh, otherwise, we will just continually come back and say, well, I've, I've fallen down this week, so I'm not actually living in Jesus properly, and I can say that about myself. But ultimately, I'm not detached from him. I'm part of him. I'm accepted into him. And, and actually, spending time with him is what will change the way I behave. It won't come the other way. No amount of good behavior will actually get me closer to Jesus. It must start with Jesus. And Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So that's good, isn't it? 
And then in verse 12 goes on to say, um, love one another as I have loved you. And, and this reinforcement of how loving God and then loving one another is the fulfillment of all the commandments. And then he says, you did not choose me in verse 16, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now he's speaking to the disciples, but he's already told them, or in the great, he's going to tell them in the, um, in the Great Commission, um, after he's raised from the dead, he, he says, go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've taught you. This applies to us. This is something he taught them, and therefore it, it follows down. This is our... This is to us. Jesus chose us. And it's absolutely vital. Jesus chose me because he knew all about me. And it, this wasn't a decision I made. He revealed himself to me. I, I, I just had to respond to that. We are chosen by Christ. We are chosen to be part of his family. Um, it creates difficulties, but I believe it to be the truth of Scripture. We are chosen. And when you're doubting whether in fact you are actually in him or not, remember that. He chose me. Okay. Right, let's go back to verse 2 then. The Father will cut off those who are not fruitful. Now, there's a Greek word in here, and I don't speak Greek or even understand Old Testament, uh, sorry, New Testament Greek. But that word, cut off, has quite a few meanings. Uh, it appears right through the Gospels. Um, and is used to mean all sorts of things. But it can actually mean to lift up. It can mean to separate out, to treat differently. Um, it can mean a number of other things, really, not just about cut off and kind of broken away and discarded. It doesn't have to mean that. And I was looking at the, the context of the whole passage and saying, well, Jesus goes on to say what happens to the branches that were never joined in. That's further on. But what, these are branches that are clearly joined. And... I am told, and I'll just have to take my word for it at the moment, that, um, that in, a, in a vineyard, when you've got branches that, that actually aren't being fruitful, you need to get them to the point where they receive more of the sun and the rain. You have to actually have to lift, lift them up and get them to the top or to the outside of the, of the growth so they get exposed to it. And in fact, it could be that, because Jesus is talking about the, you know, what happens to a vine. This is the whole story. It's, about, it's a parable or, or a metaphor, sorry, for... Um, for the vine itself. So I think this verse here, I'm going to say, as far as I'm concerned, that actually Jesus is talking to those of us who have, are just struggling. And I mean struggling, and I put myself into that category, especially this week when I had arguments with my daughter and my wife and everybody. You know, as things sort of grow on me. It, I don't hold myself together too well. And actually, Jesus says, those are the ones the Father will lift up so they're exposed to his goodness more. They're the, one to, they're the ones. And that would be consistent with what he says elsewhere. Jesus talks about not wanting anyone to be lost. He talks about um, being the, the shepherd who goes out and leaves the 99 and gets the one. He talks about that, that whole passion of the Father to say, I will draw them in. And he says later, everyone who my Father has given me, I've kept, except for Judas. And, and I'd say Judas is in the category of those who never really believed in the Jesus he was following. But for us, if you're in Christ, you're still counted in there, and this is not, you know, I could lose my salvation.
and the whole passage really is just reinforcing Jesus saying the other things he said I am the way the truth and the life if you you need to be in me as Becca reminded us when she looked at that passage a few weeks ago you need to be in Jesus so if we are in Christ what can we expect what do we need to do so number one I'd say is we need to stay connected and I'm speaking to myself here <laughs> we can all fill up our lives with what is urgent and what we feel we need but Jesus says our life is in him and that has to be our priority maybe the second thing is to be obedient and Graham when he was speaking last week t- touched on that and said it's not a popular thing but Jesus calls us to obe- obedience and in fact that the Great Commission is about teaching the disciples were told to teach, make disciples and teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Obedience is tied up in this and actually it's obedience that brings the freedom that he talked about. It brings the joy that he talked about. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's where we're heading for. That is the true freedom. It's the freedom to actually do the things he says he wants us to do. Perhaps number three is we don't do it on our own. Uh, if, if there's nothing else you grasp out of this, we're all joined into Jesus, and actually all the growth is coming through him. We're, we're just kind of in the process. And, and because we're attached to him, fruit can grow. But it, it is all about dependence. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a failure in our lives when we say we need help. It's actually just normal life. But the answer is where we get our help from is, is ultimately through Jesus. We might receive that through one another as Jesus works through one another. So number four, perhaps, uh, we'll go, is to be fruitful. Now, I had a look at fruitfulness. Says, um, I remember when I was young and learnt lots of Bible verses, I learnt that the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23, which I'm sure we can, well, half of us will be able to recite. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and yes, they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, those things. But I'm, I think there's more to it than that. Jesus may be sort of pointing partly to that, partly to our behavior and the, the way we are. But I think there's other fruit. And the Great Commission gives us, says the fruit of our lives will be that we make disciples. I was quite gripped last week when Graham was speaking and he talked about if each of us as I said, there's 100 people here. If each of us were to, bring, to lead someone to Jesus this year, and then in the following year, each of those plus, plus the, the new 100 people lead someone to Jesus, 10 years, that's 100,000 people. And I sat there with my calculator, and it is true. It's 100,000 people after 10 years. And I, I, I love maths, sorry. And you may not be switched on by numbers like that. But it, it's, it's like an epidemic actually if in fact that fruit was coming and I think that's the fruit that Jesus is looking for it's it's that fruit fruit of our lives is to actually see others come to know Jesus as well that's what he's about he came into this world to seek and save the lost that's what he was about and so there is the fruit which is to do with our behavior but there's also a fruit of actually passing on the gospel I want to come back to the um, the bit where Jesus says, ask for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. I think, I think it should be a bit of a caution on that because 
I'm pretty sure that whatever I wish for isn't necessarily what Jesus is going to give me, because um, my, my version of what I need is quite different from what Jesus knows I need, and what I want, sorry, is different from what Jesus knows I need. If we take it that we are living in him, that our, that our, um, our desires start to get aligned with his, and it's those that then he'll say, ask whatever I, ask whatever you want in my name. It, it's as Jesus starts to shape the way we're thinking and what we're looking for and the fruit we're seeking to, to kind of grow. It's those things that Jesus answers. Um, I have argued with people who say, well, that means we're guaranteed health, wealth and happiness, but we're not. I really don't think we are. I don't think that's what that's about and saying, well, I just need to go and claim it and then it's mine. It's about growing the fruit that Jesus is going to produce from his vine himself. Number five, though, is to um, expect pruning. Now, this apparently came up in the, the revival prayer group this week on Wednesday as well, because very dutifully, Alex, was it you who picked um, John 15, verse 2, or was it Alison? You picked John 15, verse 2. Um, and, um, and there was some really helpful stuff. I had a look through the, the, the stuff about actually pruning is painful. And... The, the, with, the, with the grape stuff, you, you have to cut off the bits that are going to waste energy. And there, there's, the, the, you know, there's a, a detrimental and a short-term detrimental effect on the plant, but it does recover and it does grow better fruit as a result. This is what Jesus is about. And so when I'm questioning all the things that are going on in my life, Jesus said, well, I'm, I'm actually just pruning here. My father is the gardener. He's pruning you. And some of this stuff that you're carrying with you is actually taking energy away from what I want you to be doing. There are things in your life which are just, you don't need them. They're just holding you back. You, pruning is actually a very helpful and required thing for us to be fruitful. So I thought I'd go on to, to some of the things that might need pruning out. And it turns out that in Galatians, there's a list just before the fruit of the Spirit of the stuff that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, strangely, I've never learnt this one off by heart, and I don't know whether anyone else has. <laughs> We, we, we just like the positives, don't we? But here we go. So just before that, in Galatians, it says, the acts of the flesh, you know, the, the stuff we'll do if we're left uncontrolled, I think. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rave, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The like. That's, that's the stuff that needs pruning. Okay, you may not be able to say I've, I've had all of those this week. I hope not. <laughs> but some of them I know. And actually, uh, selfish ambition and fits of rage, I'm very keen on. In fact, I can dress them up as, as you know, justified. But they're not. They're actually going to, they're sucking life out of me into areas where I don't need it and I'm not producing fruit because I'm, I'm actually diverting resources to the wrong things. I'm not going to say go away and, you know, meditate on that list. It's, it's horrible. But we, that, that's what we're wrestling with. Uh, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago, we had a Saturday where we were in got people together in the hub and we asked God to speak to us and uh, there was some great stuff right it was a good day lots of people and um, 
lots of things were brought. And I've read through them a few times. Um, Pauline has very dutifully and kindly scribed them all, so I've gotten to, to read through. And actually, a lot of the words that were brought were to do with us going through a process of change and how uncomfortable the steps might be for us. At least that's the way I read them. That, that it, it may not be obvious what God is doing. But actually, pruning is like that, isn't it? it it's not obvious what's happening because you just think, well, I've just grown this bit and now it's being cut off. There's, there's, a, there's a pain to that. You think, well, I thought I was doing the right thing and it, it, it's got to go. But a lot of those words were along those same things, along those same lines. And as a, as a core team, we, we've got together and we've, we've looked at what are God's, we're asking God, what are his priorities for us as a church going forward? And I have to say, this series on the I Am claims of Jesus have just got me thinking the fundamental truth is we can do nothing apart from Jesus. That's what it says there, isn't it? We can do nothing apart from him. All the best plans and what have you irrelevant if we're not actually in Jesus. And for us as a church, fruitfulness as a church, as a body together, this isn't necessarily just an individual thing we're talking about. The church has to be connected into the vine. The church. We're looking to be fruitful as a church. Okay. So, um, some challenges for us, I think, to, to how we're going to, what we're going to do with all this. I'm sure it was... I missed a bit. Nope. Okay. Three things, really. Best to have three points, isn't it, eventually. Number one, if you do not know Jesus personally, this is for you. This is for you. You need to be connected in to Jesus. It's not about subscribing to a set of beliefs or saying a set of words. It's about knowing Jesus. This, this whole passage, he talks about, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. It's all about the relationship. Jesus is pouring out his heart to his disciples and saying, remain in me. It's the only place for you. I, don't, don't mess this up. Don't consider other things that are going to actually... Don't, don't get distracted. Remain in me. Keep my commands. Love one another. But actually, to remain in him, we've got to be in him in the first place. There is an initial commitment. If you don't know Jesus, make that, that first step of saying, Jesus, I want to be counted in. I don't want to be detached. I don't want to be the ones who get kind of discarded at the end of our lives. This is about life now in all its fullness, not what happens when you die, just related, but actually it's about life now. What is the fruit going to be of your life now? Many people do settle for the pursuit of other things. Oh, I want to achieve, I want money, I want 2.1 children and a mortgage. Those sort of things that kind of what the world holds out, or actually I might want to achieve things. I can remember um, Hazel and I had a, a business, and I wanted to, you know, my, my plan was to be a millionaire and serve Jesus with lots of money. But it turns out that Jesus isn't short of money. What he wanted was my un, undevoted attention, which unfortunately was taken away by running a business and expecting to be a millionaire. It's not always the obvious thing. But the, it is here. It's about being in the vine. Being connected. So, if you're wrestling with that, why not place your future in the hands of the God who created you, who knows you, loves you, and has done everything needed to enable you to know him personally? 
Okay, if you are a follower of Jesus already, brilliant. And so are you living, abiding, remaining in him? And would you like to be more fruitful? I know I would. We all have a hundred distractions, which, um, but he is the one who will help us. So let's take an opportunity and let him draw you in closer. And we did that earlier as we were praying, um, during the worship. But let's ask God to just show us the things that need to be pruned. And if we're struggling with that, ask someone who knows you well to tell you what needs pruning, because they're much more effective. That's why I have Hazel. And actually, I think the challenge for me, and I think for all of us, is probably to change your schedule. If, in fact, you find you're not having time for Jesus in your life, change your life. Because this is the number one priority. It's to abide in him, to live in him. And actually, we can all do it. We make time for the things that are really important to us. But actually, Jesus is saying, live in me. There's um, there's a marvellous book which I've read a few times and still haven't managed to properly apply, which is uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. See, I've read a book, Paul. That's good, isn't it? (laughs) Yep, several times now. But he talks about our society and where we live now that is just so full on. There isn't a moment's rest. And he talks about actually having time away from our phones and, and there's some ridiculous stat of how many times a person, the average person now, looks at their phone per day. And it's hundreds of times per day. Our whole lives is, is oh, what if I'm missing this? What about that? What about that? And it just goes on and on and on. And I think it completely undermines our relationship with Jesus, I have to say. And John Mark Comer makes that point. And uh, uh, if you have time, read the book. <laughs> I do think that actually... It's a challenge to all of us to say, no, I'm not going to go along with, with what I've kind of got sucked into here. I'm going to make some changes. Um, for us, one of the changes I've managed to make is I work four days a week instead of five, and you think that should actually improve things, really, but I can fill up that extra day with all sorts of other things. But there are times of actual break, of actual peace. Um, I think uh, Brenton, when he spoke several months ago, in, uh, challenged us really about uh, praying in tongues and saying this, this gift of God and, and how we could perhaps do that while we're driving the car. That would be okay to actually pray to God, pray in the Spirit in all times, Paul says in the writings. Do we make time for those things or do we just put on the radio? And the answer in my case is often I just put on the radio and listen to the news and it's very interesting or some other program. I like more or less on Radio 4 because I like numbers. Um, but actually, there would be better things to do with that time when I'm in a car going somewhere. There are other times during the day where I can say, I'm just going to stop and be with Jesus. And I can remember when I was first becoming a Christian, everyone drummed into me the importance of, of um, quiet time, as it was called, individual prayer and study of the Bible. It's just not fashionable anymore. I'm not sure how that happened. I think we've been deceived. It is actually a vital part of our life is to be in Jesus. Because he says, apart from me, away from me, you can do nothing. So that doesn't really leave. So what are we doing if it's nothing? I <laughs> don't know. We seem to be able to do lots of things, but none of them are actually where we should be. Okay, beating you up enough. Um, I'm going to say, if you currently feel that you are being stretched beyond your strength, it's likely that pruning is currently underway. <laughs> 
It's happening now. Ask for help. Being independent is also a, a thing of our society. It's particularly a thing in this county. This, this sense of, of actually, you know, I have to sort myself out. We don't have to sort ourselves out. The reason is that we can't sort ourselves out. Only Jesus can sort us out. And sometimes we need help from others to do that. So don't, don't be too proud to ask for help in difficult circumstances. So, um, we're going to pray. And then, uh, how are we doing for time, Paul? Have I talked too long? Yes? Can we, can we sing? Yes. Excellent. I, well, I'm, I'm going to ask Chris to sing, so that will cover that. Let, let's pray, and then we're, we're going to worship again. I, I'd like to sing the song, Holy Yours, um, which Chris had picked, and I think it's just brilliant for this, so we'll do that in a minute. Um, but about just, just remembering who, who we belong to and the voices and the, the words we're going to listen to. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.